Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the D&D hardback adventure Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and signing. So last week, my character, the characters made their way to the town of East Haven. Uh, they have handled most of the quests in chapter one, ex except for a couple. There's a few quests that I'm kind of pushing away. There's a couple quests I'm kind of mashing together, but I basically have two quests left that I would like the characters to be able to accomplish before we start to get into chapter two. And those two quests are the Toil and Trouble quest in East Haven and the, what is it called? I should pull up the pull up the sheet here. The oh, I'm, I always go to the wrong thing. Bing, bing. The toil and trouble, and I'm I'm combining the town hall capers quest with the Sierra Koenig, the unseen quest. And by combining those quests, I can sort of have all the Dwargar stuff happen. I'm going to have it happen in East Haven so that they don't have to go through in order to do the rest of the quests. Because honestly, there's just too many quests in chapter one. There's too many things to do. And I would, I would recommend if you are running this adventure that you look at these quests and maybe take a few of them and just remove them completely. Don't even bother to put them on the list because it's, it's too, there's too many things to cover too few levels of the game, right? There's so many quests and some of them take multiple sessions and you're, you're just doing it for a long time. So I think when I'm done with this, I'll probably do like a ranking of the quests and say, like, which quest did I really like and which quest do I think could be tossed aside? And that might make it easier. That might make it easier for people to, to, to run. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I'm ready to make that ranking yet, but probably a good thing to do. So the characters made their way to, to, to East Haven. They saw the burning of Dazan, the wizard of the Arcane Brotherhood. They learned about the two quests, that there's missing fisherfolk along the shores of Lac Dinishire, and also learned that there are weird dwarvy ghosts around town stealing things. And they learned that if they are, if they complete both of these quests for the town, they will be given Dazan's stash. That Dazan had a, you know, had, had items and, and books with him. And they're willing to give these items and books to the characters. Dazan's journals, Dazan's spellbook, maybe other magic items that Dazan has. If they both figure out what happened to the missing fisher folk and they figure out who's stealing the stuff from. So that way we can cover kind of both these quests. So the character started with, oh, we should do the fishing folk. And like, you know, wasn't, wasn't there a woman around here named Maud? And didn't Maud help us? We met her in the woods and she helped us. She taught us about troll hearts and things. She was nice. She ate a troll heart, but she was nice. And they're like, yeah, Maud. And they, so they ask her around town and everybody's real cagey about Maud. Oh yeah, Maud. Yeah, she's here. Yeah, she's nice. And she brings solves. Yeah, she cured this bunion on my foot and you know other problems that we were having. Yeah, she's great. And all she likes to do is just hear about the town and here's who's coming around and here's what's going on. And they're like figuring out. Maud gives away free stuff and all she wants to know is about people. And sometimes the people she hears about disappear. And where does Maud live? Oh, she lives up north on the shores of Lac Denishire. Like where the missing fisher folk went. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, should we ask her? And like. I guess. And I'm like, all right. So they traveled off north along the shores of Lac Dinishire, this big frozen lake. And they got uh, about a day away and they found the Ferrum, the frozen Ferrum, this ancient magic eating monster from the days of the Netherese. And that freaked them out. And they, they had like mental images that kind of flowed from this mostly dead creature buried in the ice. And that was really cool because it ties to the whole Netherese storyline that's going on in this in this book. 
So that was really fun. Then they continued onward. They found the boat. They found a bunch of bottles in the boat. They saw that the fisher folk had made their way into some nearby caves. They went into the caves, managed to climb through and wander around. They saw the big dead skeletal giant. They snuck past the giant who kind of like moved its head to watch them a little bit. And they entered Maud's chamber. And there's Maud with a great big pot and she's cooking and they, one of the characters, and she's like, oh, hey, it's you guys. Come on in. Here, have a bowl of stew. And she hands bowls of stew out to everybody. And they're like, hey, stew. And then one of the guys is like, I look at the stew. I'm like, do I know anything else in this room? Like, yeah, there's a big pile of boots and like discarded clothes in the corner. And they're like, do they look like boots a fisher person would wear? And I'm like, yeah, they, they could. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and they're like, great. And and then Ilda's like, I'm chowing down. So Ilda's eating. They're like, oh, wow, this is really good stew. And she's like, yeah, isn't it? And like, yeah. And everyone else is like sitting at the stew and looking. And Ilda's like, Right. And so they're talking to her. And finally, she's like, she tells this metaphor. They're like, did you see the Fisher folk? She's like, yeah. And like, how'd they do? And she's like, oh, they did really well. Yeah. And like, are they around? I was like, I don't think so. No. And so through this like metaphorical conversation they're having with her, they realize that like the Fisher folk came in, they screwed with the giant skeleton. The skeleton mashed them into, you know, mashed them. And then she came in and took them and threw them in. The, and at that point, Elda's like, I just ate fisher folk. <laughs> and she's like, not bad, huh? Right? Or she said, no, Ilda, <laughs> Ilda looked at her and said, did you eat the fisher folk? And Maud nods and says, I'm not the only one. And Ilda's like holding the ball. So, <laughs> so then they're like, we're going to go have a conversation. She's like, okay. And she's stirring it. And they, they find out that like, wow, that pot is able to regenerate its own food. Like, man, if we could give that to the town, the pot would be a really valuable thing. And, and she's kind of like, well, so she tells the story. Maud tells the story about her sisters. She had two sisters, Dolores and Blanche. Dolores was murdered by another set of hags known as the Night Thieves. And Blanche gave away, her, gave up her hag-like ways and became a regular town folk and now lives in lonely, or lives in Tourmaline, right? And they already met Blanche. And she's like, yeah, Blanche and I are, are estranged. We don't really talk to each other anymore. I, I'm still doing my hag stuff and she's now wants to be good people. So we don't really talk. And we never really forgave the other one for the death of our other sister, uh, Dolores. But if you were to go, if you promised to go take care of the Night Sisters, these three other hags, right? That, that are somewhere down in the ice. We don't know where they are, but they're somewhere away. If you promise to do that, I'll give you this pot and you can bring it back to, to, to East Haven and help feed the people of East Haven. If you promise to do that. And they're like, yeah, we could do that, you know? And then they're like, I don't know. And they're like, are we dealing with the devil again? And someone else is like, didn't we like, weren't we friends with a vampire in the last campaign we ran? Are we sure we want to do this again? So they went away and they're like in this room. They, they say, well, let's, we go have a conversation. So they walk out of the room, they go a different direction and they see that there's a huge frozen lake with four dead frost giants frozen inside of it. Right. And, and a huge symbol to oral on the wall. And that was where we ended the adventure. So that's where we're starting today. So they, they're making a choice about whether or not to rid, you know, rid the Southern towns of 10 towns of, 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 you know, Maud Chiselbone, the hag who eats them occasionally or to make a deal with her and get her big pot and walk away. So fun place to start. So we will generate our new session notes. This is all of the notes, once again, are done in Notion. I use Notion for my campaign stuff and it works really well. You can find out all about Notion by checking out the show notes below and how I use it for D&D. Today is the 20th Sunday, Frost Maiden. The character. So we, this is all based on the eight steps from Return, to the, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. 
So we will look at our characters. We have six characters. I don't think anybody is out today. I don't, no one has said that they're out, so we could have up to six today. We have Ilda. Ilda is a half-elf, half-goliath barbarian. Her parents are, her elven parents were once members of the cult of Oral. Now I'm not really sure. Her father is probably a member of the cult of Thrun and even evil, the darker evil entity. Her mother is kind of separated and, you know, kind of cares about, and she's, you know, trying to rebuild a relationship with her mother. Her blood father is actually Auken Donkaller's father as well. So they are half, they are half siblings. And uh, he was killed when her elven father dropped an avalanche on his head long ago. I don't know if that, when that, when that, that has not yet come up, but it may. Auken Donkaller is a Goliath of the Worm, Worm, Worm Dune Crag, pretty sure. He is half sister or half brother of Ilda, and his father was murdered by the Cult of War. We have Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk is being hunted by assassins of the Menzo Baranzan of House Zalaran assassins, known as the Knight's Kiss. They are hunting him down. He is a sorcerer and he currently has a symbiote, a mind flayer symbiote in his head, slowly turning him into a mind flayer if he doesn't get that taken care of. We have Gorwen Alcazar. Gore is a trickster cleric half-orc who is the secret heir to the, to the Grey Castle family, secret noble to the Grey Castle family. I don't know when that's going to come up, but it will eventually. And always looking to squeeze a buck, Ponzi schemes. He loves his Ponzi schemes. Perrin Fat Rabbit is a halfling who had been slightly modified by mind flayers when he was kidnapped by them at one point. And he now has some psychic, some psionic powers and is a ranger. He believes in conspiracies everywhere and particularly interested to find out that there are otherworldly beings that are in fact manipulating the lives of normal people, which they proved by fighting and killing some Githyanki. We have Candle in the Dark. Candle is a tabaxi rogue, formerly of Waterdeep, probably of Skullport, whose family is being hunted by assassins. The assassins that are hunting him are known as Shakar Ballard the Ebonheart. I don't know yet how I'm going to drop in Knight's Kiss and the Ebonheart assassin into the game. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but it should happen sometime. Someday it will be right have that going on so those are the characters and they have a bunch of things going on in Bryn Shander they have they're building up sort of a new base of operations in Bryn Shander the former house of the triad Candle's family is there they have an assassin who lives there who's kind of told said that they'd help out they have some guards that they've hired there's an ancient mummy that lives in the catacombs that seems to be their friend so they've got a lot going on in their home base uh, back in Bryn Shander but now they are currently on adventures so we have reviewed the characters so the strong start is what? The, the characters are standing above a sacrificial pool of, of oral. Uh, there's a huge symbol of oral, which I guess is like a big twisted snowflake carved into the rock wall on the opposite side. The smell of stew is flowing out from behind them. Maud is singing a little song uh, with the giant, the skeletal giant at her side. And the characters have to make a choice. Are they going to leave Maud B or send her into the icy grave? Uh, I don't, is there, could something happen? Is there an option for something to happen here? A vision? Could somebody have a vision? You know, I, 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 whenever I think about a strong start, I try to think about like, well, something should happen. It's not like just to get it started. And this is a good opportunity for like a, a vision of something that teaches them a secret. So I guess we'll, we'll hang on to this. We'll go through our secrets and we'll see, is there any secret that makes sense to, to be imparted here, either by watching the giants 
drown themselves in this pool or some other kind of vision, something to do with oral, something to do with the net, something to do with the endless night. Is there any kind of, you know, any kind of neat thing that we could, that, you know, that we could hear that, that we could do there? Can you hear Maud's thoughts? Maybe. I sure wish I had a fun little song. Anybody on Twitch that's watching, if you know of a fun, creepy child's limerick about freezing to death or the snow, you know, that would be pretty cool. And and if I could drop like five lines in, I could I could have her singing a song that, about freezing to death that I think would be fun. Shadowhawk could read the dead memories of the frozen giants. Maybe. Yeah, I think they could see what happens here, but I want them to learn something from it. So dealing with Maud is the first scene. They return, I think it's going to be a, depending on how they do, maybe I'll throw a combat encounter in here. I'm not sure. But if they don't have a fight with Maud, then maybe they'll have a fight on the way back. And we'll look up what that will be. Then they return to East Haven. Something else was stolen. I guess we could go straight with the, how about when they return to East Haven, the, somebody broke into the vault beneath the town overnight. Somebody broke into the vault beneath the town, the town hall and stole a huge Shardalon masthead of the, what was that thing called? The Howling Fiend. So now uh, track the Duergar to the outpost and then face, what's the guy's name? Nildar Sunblight, right? Face Nildar Sin Sunblight. All right. So that's pretty much everything that could possibly happen today. That's the likely thing to have happen. NPCs we have, do I have Nildar in here? Already, hopefully I have a card for Nildar. No, I do not. So we will make a new page in the Frost Maiden database. So now I've got a Nildar Sunblight page. I will have to find a, I don't think there is a picture of Nildar. Oh, look at that, there is. Open a new tab, copy image, and we can put him in here. Perfect. So Nildar, son of Zardarok and brother, and I forget who Sunblight's brother is. So we need another card. Create a new page for Dearth. Add that to the Frostmaiden database. Now I have a Dearth Sunblight, but I don't think. This is probably too much work and son of Czar. Tag is NPC. I don't think I put a tag in for tag of NPC. There, cool. So we got a Nildar Sunblight. Let me go back to our backlinks, go to the notes. And we have Nildar Sunblight. So, so what? So we got our scenes, uh, secrets and clues. So let's go to, what's the name of the grandmother? Let me kill that. Grandolfa, that fits. So let's see, Zardarok recently married Grandolfa to join two Duergar clans together. Zardarok has since sent his sons, Nildar and Nildar and who? Dearth to 10 towns steal Shardalon. Zardarok is worried, I, I keep spelling his name wrong, worried that his sons are going to kill him and take over the clan. The sons believe it is Grandolfa, incorrectly believe, who sent them away. She did not. What other, so I got lots of Duergar secrets. Okay, Zardarok is building a powerful weapon out of Shardalon that he plans to unleash on 10 towns, destroy it. He received this vision from 
deep dura, but really it was oral, right? It makes sense that oral is the one that really wants to destroy 10 towns and is willing to use the dura guarded. I think in the book, it's Asmodeus. What the hell does Asmodeus care about anything here? So easier to tie it to oral. Oral, oral wants to get rid of 10 towns. She sent a bunch of, if you think about what oral's trying to do, right? Let's get our minds in the head of our villain, oral, right? She is the god of frost. She is stepped aside from the pantheon and she says, I want to go retire. Where am I going to do it? I know the endless Icewind Dale. I'm going there. It's nice. It's cold. There's not a lot of people there. And she goes there and she goes, okay, well, I don't need a bunch of people wandering around. That sucks. I'm going to freeze this whole place over. So first get rid of the sun. Sun's gone. Now I need to get rid of all these people. I have frost druids who worship me. I have a cult that worships me and I have other groups that I can deal with, but why don't I have the frost druids, you know, and particularly this nice frost druid here, she can awaken a bunch of animals and send the animals against the people. And that'd be great. I don't really care who wins, right? But people and animals are fighting and that's great. I have this cult, they'll eat themselves, but they'll also grow in power and eat themselves while they're growing and eating. That's great. They'll take care of a lot of people themselves and they're a bunch of morons anyway. So let them do what they do. And then she looks and says, and here are these dwarves that have come up. What if I send a vision to one of the dwarves and have them build weapons to then also go against 10 towns? So now I got another group going against 10 towns and I don't care what happens to them either. And she just sets that and lets it go, right? And then she continues to try to build up her other, you know, she's not building an empire. She's not trying to take over. She just wants a throne that she can sit on and not have a bunch of people around, right? And so she basically wants probably to get rid of all of the Sorcos and maybe all the world and freeze the whole thing and kill everybody. And she just wants to be there by, right? But she doesn't like, humanity or, or sentient people at all. So have we, have we found a good song yet from fair young Charlotte and quickly into the lighted hall, her helpless form was born. They tried with all their power, her life for two to restore, but Charlotte was frozen corpse and is never to speak no more. That is awesome. I like that one. Thank you for that one. Songbird and you know, Hey, songbird 21. I love that one. We are going to, let's see. I'm going to add that right in here. I need to put that under. Let's see. Perfect. That song is going to make them want to kill her. So Oral has sent many groups to destroy the people of Ten Towns. She wants none. She wants no uh, sentient life in, no sentient life in Icewind Dale. She wants the purity of a frozen world, quiet world. Awesome. Ron says, could you give an example of how you would drop these Duergar secrets into the story? How could the characters learn about them? Sure. So there's a few ways they're going to be facing. So, you know, you can go with the visions, right? This, this fourth one, for example, that Oral sent many groups to destroy the people of 10 towns. It's possible that they could, you know, have a vision and see Oral do this, right? It's possible that Maud may know some of the stuff about what Oral is doing and how. It is, and then when they talk to Durgar, they, you know, interrogating a Durgar dwarf could reveal any of these secrets or parts of these secrets, right? If they talk to Nildar, right, before they fight, if, if they fight or they capture him or they kill him or he surrenders or whatever, Nildar could say a bunch of stuff about these things, right? That they're building a powerful weapon, that my brother and I were both sent by our father out here, you know, we don't know why and he doesn't really want us back there. We think it has to do with Grandolfa, his wife. They could learn about Grandolfa that way. So that's, you know, a bunch of different ways. But I, I would I would expect the most common ways would be interrogating Durgar, either Nildar himself or any of the other Durgar that they run into when they go through the, the Durgar outpost. That's my expectation there. But like the, the thing about Oral and some of these other secrets could really happen lots of different ways. Like they could be revealed lots of different ways. So 
yeah, so I hope that answers your question. But I bet you, you're all a bunch of creative folk. I bet you can think of a bunch of ways that these secrets can be revealed. The thing is, it's pretty easy, at least I find, it's easy to improvise where a secret is found. It's harder to improvise the secret itself, which is why we prep the secret, right? We prep the secret. We don't prep where it shows up. And the reason why is opportunities come where the secrets are revealed. Now, the other thing is we don't have to reveal these, right? Not all of them. Half of the secrets don't get revealed, and that's cool. Right? That's fine. They don't have to discover everything. The thing is, you've got them. Think of it like loot. If you think about a secret like loot, it's like not all the loot gets di distributed. Not all the treasure gets distributed. But you want to have the treasure on hand to be able to distribute it when it makes sense. Yeah, it's like treasure. Exactly. Malicious advice is on the notion. It's exactly like treasure. So I got four secrets. I need six more. Any other Dwargar secrets of note? The Shardalon is driving Zardarok mad. Filling is filling Zardarok with terrible images of the destruction of 10 towns. What other, what other secrets do we have? What other things want to be revealed? So some of it are like the journals. Um, so design journals reveal or have include a map to a strange black spire piercing out of the snow. He believes it is connected to the huge ruin underneath the ice and possesses great power. The crystal held by Shadow knows the location, the crashed ship. Last week I had a secret and I, I forgot it before I could write it down, but I remember it now. And it's that Perrin wasn't the only halfling captured by the mind flayers of the Id Ascendant. The others may have escaped or been transformed. So the Indescendant is a crashed Mind Flayer Nautiloid, Nautilus ship, and it crashed and they had captured. So in the book, it's a bunch of gnomes, but since I have a halfling in the group, I'm gonna change it to halfling. And some of them were transformed into Mind Flayers. Other ones managed to escape like Perrin did. And in my version, we're going to have it that there are two groups of mind flayers, the old ones, i.e. the mind flayers that actually came aboard the ship who had planned to come here and create an elder brain in Icewind Dale in the caves outside Icewind Dale. And the newborns who just became mind flayers and because the ship crashed before they could be fully assimilated, they have independent minds or their minds are joined with each other, but not with the, the, the elder brain. So... They have different motivations and they want to get the Nautiloid back up and running and GTFO. They, they, they don't want to stay around and they've become new creatures. They just want to go explore. So ET, the plot line for ET is what we're going with here. ET only with tentacles that reach into your eyes and ears and suck your brain out. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got eight secrets, I need two more. So this one is, these last two quests end chapter one and go into chapter two. What other seeds do I want to plant out there for chapter two? I think when it's done, the black cabin is something else that I want to throw out. So a gnome named Macradius supposedly found a way to restore daylight or suppose is working on, believes he found a way to restore daylight to Icewind Dale and spends his time in, the, in a cabin south of Icewind Dale. I'm moving the location because I don't want him to have to go 15 towns up to get back to the cabin. He hasn't 
been heard from in days in a 10 day. So that gives them three quests. That gives them three quests. Once they're done with the Shardalon, once they're done with, uh, once they're done with Maud and once they're done with the Duergar outpost, we're in chapter two and then they'll get three new chapter two quests. And those chapter two quests include the Black Cabin, the Idescendant, and the Netheril, those are three good ones, right? And then those further lead into new, into new quest lines that we can that we can go. So I think that that will work out. But I I think I need one more secret. I still don't have a great secret. I could do Grimskull, right? Uh, the Frost Giants of Icewind Dale once had a citadel called Grimskull that sat on an island in the sea of moving ice. There they worshiped Oral. Those who failed in their, those who failed to serve her well were sent here to kill themselves for ritual sacrifice. These are failed frost giants. So that I think, that that is where in our strong start, we have Maud's song and the vision of the failed frost giant sacrifice. I'm trying to think of a way to change that song around to kind of fit the giants. That's too much work for a lazy DM. So that is cool. I've got my scenes. Oh, of course, I forgot one other secret. The the outpost currently occupied by the Duergar once belonged to dragonborn mercenaries in the service of a car a car over a century ago. So one of the things that I found in the in this in this the Duergar outpost location is that it's kind of boring. There's really not like who built this and why and how long has it been here? There's not there's not a lot of history of this place. And it's just sort of a open, you know, kind of place. It's not particularly interesting. So I think kind of a fun thing to do is wrap it in in other history. And my my thought I, I rolled some random tables for my other for my for my other group and it came up with Duergar or, or Dragonborn. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if over a hundred years ago, and I don't get me on the lore the dragonborn lore like dragonborns weren't native to Faroon or whatever i don't care what if a car so a car kessel was this very powerful wizard who came to icewind dale and nearly took it over by creating a massive tower called kenshinabon and he did it with an evil artifact called kenshinabon that ended up creating a shardalon when it exploded right and he summoned a whole bunch. He had a whole bunch of the barbarian tribes on his side he had a whole bunch of goblin and monstrous things what if he hired sort of a group of Dragonborn, which maybe he pulled out of a different parallel world or a uh, Toral or Abir. I don't know the whole Toral Abir history, but we're going to go with that. That there's a parallel, you know, parallel Forgotten Realms world. And they drew these Dragonborn out and brought them here. And they were housed in this outpost as a secret mercenary squad, but they never got called off and they sort of left when a car castle was destroyed and before the war could come. So I think that is a history we can throw on this outpost that makes it kind of an interesting place instead of just a um, bare, boring ass uh, outpost. So that'll be fun. What else do we have here? So locations, we have the Duergar outpost. We have the sacrificial pool. That's a cool location. We probably want a, if we wanna have an encounter on the way back, let's say that they just make an agreement with Maud and they head back. We should think about an encounter. And when we think about an encounter, we should think about a, a cool monument for it. Spire Shattered Barrow of Oral. 
I think we already got that. Flaming floating podium of soon. Uh, obsidian spiked fossil of Shantae. An obsidian spiked fossil would be kind of interesting. Could be a fossil of some kind of... I've already had like a dead sea creature. Necrotic shattered carved rock of the Illithids. Yeah, I think we'll have that. That's pretty cool. So that there's like a shattered piece of rock that's kind of broken out of the lake and maybe it's like a piece of the fallen ship and it's got runes on it and they're like, this is it. And that's where the crystal is able to pick up where this location is. So I think that, that this could be a cool location that can tie to the Psy crystal, which can then tie to the Idescendant. Like maybe it's a piece of the Idescendant, right? And as we know, it's actually organic. Quick, very a giant variation and quickly from the mountain pass, their helpless form was born. The giants dried tried with all their power their life for to restore but oral was a frozen corpse and is never to speak no more hmm. a queen maybe a a giant queen and that they failed that's pretty good man lazy dms should have a bunch of people in twitch chat to help them do songs so let me, the giants tried they wouldn't call themselves right the jotun right but queen do frost giants i need a frost giant name frost giant name generator Ingrick. Ingrick will be a good one. Queen Ingrick. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you, Songbird. Finally, music teaching career is useful. Yes, that is perfect. That is great. Okay, good deal there. I got my locations, NPCs. We have Nildar Sunblight. We have the, where is she? Imdra Argolath. Captain Imdra Argolath. We have Maud. Maud Chiselbone. What other NPCs? Any other interesting NPCs I can think of? I think that's good. We, of course, have the ghost, Janth, Janth Alawar, who's hanging out with them. That's solid. So for this potential battle on the way back, let's go do a random, whoops, whoopsie. Uh, let's go do a random encounter. So we go to D&D Beyond, and we're going to look in chapter two, where I believe they have wilderness encounter. And let us roll a 20 and see what we get. Oh, I banged the microphone dice everywhere what what happened there we go okay we have nine battle hammer dwarves gnolls would be kind of cool i'm just looking a couple knocks down and the idea of getting a or, or running into some null scouts would be pretty cool because they could be tied to the cackling chasm which is going to be tied to idescendant so i think we might have some cackling gnolls of the is there a tribe there is there a particular known 1d4 plus three gnolls Five gnolls. Five gnolls are no challenge for these characters. It might be seven gnolls. So that could work. And the gnolls, they are power sources. Or they're seeking power from fallen pieces of the id. They say it speaks to them. So yeah, I think that that would be a cool encounter on the way back. And here's, so... I was talking before about the dial, like like how do you tweak the dials of monster difficulty? And one of the dials is the number of monsters you run, right? So I don't know how many gnolls will be here. If they fight Maud and have a big fight there, it might only be like four. If they don't fight Maud and they go there, it could be like nine, right? So it depends on how hard a fight I want. And I want to oscillate easy and hard fights. I don't want hard fight after hard fight after hard fight, which gets really lame. So instead, we if they have a hard fight with Maud, it'll be an easy encounter with Gnolls. In fact, it might not be a fight at all. If they have no problem with um, Maud, then it might be a harder fight with Gnolls. So that they have, we want them to have like a challenging fight somewhere. 
And we can decide which one should be challenging just by upping the number of monsters. So that's the the, the, the number of monsters dial is really the, the easy dial to pick. And there's a bunch of nulls too. We could throw like a null pack lord or something in here if we wanted a harder null. You know, normal nulls are CR half, but don't they have a, the pack lord is a CR two, right? So they could have like, you know, maybe they have a pack lord. So, you know, you just turn that dial up, right? If you, you know, if, and then we can do it on the fly. We don't, I don't, I don't have to pre-plan how many nulls are going to face. I could decide right before the battle how many nulls are there. If I feel like they need an easy fight, it'll be like four normal nulls. If I feel like they need a hard fight, it'll be seven nulls and a pack lord, right? And that changes things dramatically, right? It changes the battle dramatically, but it'll depend on what I think the party, what the, what the players will enjoy, right? What will they enjoy? What will I enjoy? And so... We base it on that. And we should never shy away from running an easy fight. Easy fights are awesome. Four nulls is a fun fight because you know they're going to beat them. They know they're going to beat them. So I think that'd be a fun one. And this this all ties to Cackling Chasm and, and the Descendant. So that's great. I think magic item wise, they are festooned with magic items. So if I'm going to give them anything, it's going to be a single use relic. And I think something that has to do with maybe a piece of artifact that the gnolls have picked up from the it ascendant would be pretty cool. So let's see. Color spray, scorching ray, Bigby's hand. That's not bad because what if it's a, let's see. So I like Bigby's hand. Bigby's hand is a good spell. That's a spell like a mind flare would be able to cast, right? It's something that like, you know, imagine they have like a broken piece of the illithid ship, right? So we could say the treasure is a broken piece of the id ascendant that casts bigby's hand once dc 15 that is a nice nice single use magic item very flavorful fits the rest of the theme of the descendant and the mind flayers and and the gnolls and all of that the gnolls will be carrying it i think that that works really well so treasure wise we're good does does maud have any treasure beyond what she's got who is maud so we have hag you know what is the, is, is it Beerher, Beerher Hag? Is the Frost Hag, and that's CR7. She is really powerful. I think I want to use a Beerher Hag. I'm just not going to use a Beerher Hag. There's no, how's it pronounced? Oh, I don't have my speakers hooked up. So I am going to use this, but I probably won't use Kona Cole because Kona Cole would wipe the characters out. But I think I might use this stat block anyway because it makes sense that she would be, right? So that's a good that's a good stat block. And then we have the Frost Giant Skeleton, which is brutal, right? Those guys are really hard. You want some hard skeletons? Frost Giant Skeletons are mean. Look at that. 102 hit points, two great attacks, 25 damage each. Burr Hag. That could be. That sounds right. So we got that. All right, so I got my NPCs. I got monsters. I got treasure. I've got locations. I've got lots of secrets. I've got scenes. I've got some songs. Thank you, Songbird. Get the gold star for the day. And I got a strong start. So I feel pretty confident about today's game. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I always like to ask myself at the end of prep, how do I feel? Do I feel like I'm ready? And no one ever feels ready. This is probably an important point, right? Nobody ever feels totally prepared and just eager and ready. You were always scared, right? Or like, oh, something bad's going to happen or my friends are going to make fun of me or I don't know what. I'm not going to be prepared. I'm going to sit there like a deer in headlights. Everyone feels like that. I feel like that all the time, right? But we know it's, it'll be fine. Our friends want to come here. They want to play D&D &D with us. We're all going to have a good time. It's all going to be a few laughs. I've got enough material here that I can certainly put together a game and, you know, just kind of got to got to push through that, that that like you are not prepared is like, you know, like think about like what's his name from World of Warcraft saying that, you know, you are not prepared. No one's ever prepared. We don't know what's going to happen. 
It's like life. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what's going to happen. But what we can do is kind of, you know, help bolster ourselves and get ourselves in a position where as life changes, we're in the right spot. Flexibility. I got my eight steps. I know where the game's going to start. You know, I've, I've, I've got directions it can head. I've got lots of interesting things for the characters to learn, which is a really big piece of it. And we are ready to go. So I think we will call it a day. I want to thank everybody for coming today. I always appreciate having the folks here in Twitch helping me out. Special thanks to eSongbird for coming up with that awesome bit of, bit, of, bit of song that I can throw in the beginning of my game. That'd be great fun. If you want to help me out, if you enjoyed this show and you want to help me out, you can do so by subscribing to me on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You can also help support me by going to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish and becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. Or you can pick up my book, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. So I hope you enjoyed this show. Have a great day.